Each year, five distinguished Canadian scholars are awarded the Killam Prize for their outstanding research across engineering, the humanities, social sciences, health sciences, and natural sciences. In celebration of these winners' contribution to Canada's society and economy, thefutureeconomy.ca interviewed each of the five researchers to share their discoveries with Canadians. This podcast is part of the futureeconomy.ca series celebrating Canadian research excellence, which is made in partnership with the Canada Council of the Arts and the Killam Trust. Today we're speaking to Dr. Alan Evans, the James McGill Professor of Neurology at McGill University. Dr. Evans is one of the foremost authorities on brain imaging and brain network modeling and the recipient of the 2020 Killam Prize in Health Sciences. First of all, congratulations. It's a great accomplishment. Uh, the Killam Prize is very prestigious. Uh, and um, yeah, we, you must be very proud. So I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your main area of study and what does winning an award like the Killam Prize mean to you, your team and the work you do? Well, my scientific background is in uh, what we call neuroimaging. We use uh, brain scanners to look inside the living human brain. And uh, neuroinformatics, which is a, a relatively new term, but essentially it means data science, where we pull all of this information that we can collect these days, imaging, genetics, behavior, biospecimen information, all together so that uh, large-scale, what we call big science, can be applied to, in neuroscience. Um, I have a team of people that develop those technologies. And then we have a community of, of, uh, of uh, young scientists neurologists, clinical researchers who work on brain development at one end of the age spectrum and on neurodegenerative diseases at the other end of the age spectrum. And uh, I guess my role is, is to try and hold it all together. There's lots and lots going on in the lab and uh, I, I have to somehow be involved in all of this simultaneously. The Killam Prize is a hugely respected award both in Canada and on the international scene. It, it means so much to me as a validation of a career path that has had some strange turns over the years, I would say. I found my niche in building a cross-disciplinary team of brilliant young people, both scientific and technical, to take on the big challenges in data science that became increasingly central to neuroscience through the 90s and onward as computers became more widespread and more powerful. We could explore data in ways that were more, uh, how can I put it, uh, inconceivable only a decade away this award is in many ways a recognition of that journey and is a testament to the importance of multidisciplinary perspectives in science today in general. Why is research in neuroscience important to Canada's future economy and overall society, really? Well, neuroscience, understanding the brain, has so many different domains that it's hard to grasp the scope. It ranges from the molecular, cellular processes through systems neuroscience, brain wiring, and cognitive neuroscience in the normal brain, and on to clinical research in, into brain disorders. Uh, today, we're increasingly concerned with social neuroscience. How do social rules of engagement affect brain development? How do we quantify the social determinants of mental health, like anxiety and stress, depression? And these considerations have a major impact on Canada's economy. How do we optimize people's performance in the workplace? How do we optimize rehabilitation from workplace injury? There's a lot of uh, issues there related to brain plasticity or indeed brain disorders like stroke or multiple sclerosis. And with an aging population, Canada will have to deal with a tremendous increase in disorders of aging with its spiraling costs in long-term care. 
it is essential that we better understand the origins and pathological mechanisms that result in these clinical conditions so that we can better design effective interventions that mitigate those costs. Similar arguments can be made for psychiatric disorders, which are on the rise. But as well as the health sector, we have to consider the impact of neuroscience and technology development. You hear a lot about AI, artificial intelligence, but often the basic configurations of machine learning algorithms are really quite simple in design. Lots of nodes and lots of layers. You pour raw data in at the top and some patterns can be discerned, but it's not clear why this is so. This is not how the most sophisticated computer in existence, the human brain, operates. There's a branch of AI known as brain-inspired AI that seeks to incorporate strategies that the brain uses to make decisions, such as so-called reinforcement learning. As we understand better how the brain effortlessly navigates through the external world and balances competing demands, these findings are, are being used to design more efficient AI technology with implications all across the economic spectrum. Just look at the explosive impact of AI in, for instance, self-driving cars or medical diagnosis or, heaven forbid, military weapons and robotics. What should be done in Canada and by who to best position us to lead in neuroscience? Well, neuroscience is now so multidisciplinary with mathematicians, physicists, alongside basic molecular and cellular neuroscientists, clinical researchers, that we're increasingly finding new areas of profitable research at the interfaces between these traditional disciplines. We have to foster young scientists working at these new coal faces, not treat them as orphans within traditional without a traditional departmental home. This is where universities have to get creative in building institutes and centers that are nimble and can support the growth of these young scientists and young generalists. What must be done in Canada to best support our researchers in this field and translate their research into life-improving applications? Well, I think the big problem is translation of basic science into clinical utility, what we call the valley of death. We now have a huge data gathering capacity with wearables and scanners, brain scanners, and genetic screening, etc. But how do we put all this information to use in the hands of our clinicians? Well, I think uh, data analytics is key to reducing all of this data to knowledge and ultimately wisdom and clinical practice. We're searching for personalized treatment, but that requires analytics. So uh, you, you can see that I'm concentrating very much on the, on the need for uh, advanced computational analytic processing to reduce the information that is made available to clinicians. It's going to come out of uh, clinical research, um, people at, at the, uh, the uh, university institutions who have to um, pull together all of the basic science. They're at, they're at the sharp end of the problem. They're dealing with the, the, uh, the the data handling problems. The clinicians are not going to want to deal with any of that. They're going to want essentially what we might call a tricorder. You're all familiar with, uh, with Star Trek and how Bones would just put a little uh, tube against uh, somebody's neck and would know everything about them. Well, that's essentially what we're trying to build conceptually, a device which has it all, captures all the information and then presents a, a, a digested diagnosis to the clinician. The clinician's experience is still essential to take advantage of that information, but we have to present that information in a way which is easily, easily assimilable by the clinician in the clinic.
what must be done and by who to improve Canada's ability to commercialize the kind of groundbreaking research coming out of our institutions? We need incubators. Um, so many researchers are clueless about the commercial potential of their work. We need to put the academics alongside the commercial translation arms of the university. We need to set up these incubator environments, uh, centers, institutes, nimble environments which can, uh, can adapt to uh, the changing technology and what's ultimately pouring out of the basic labs. And that, that's, that's a long translational pathway between basic research and commercial translation, and it doesn't happen by accident. It really needs a lot of work uh, to build these environments where you put these people who know how to commercialize technology, but may not know the particulars of the technology, alongside the researchers who are great at basic science, but uh, basically they couldn't organize a business to save their lives. They don't, they're not interested in that kind of thing. But if someone shows them how to do it, how to, how to break down those barriers, how to fill out those forms, they're perfectly happy to go down that road. So you need a lot of support for the commercialization, translation part of the equation. At some point, you have to have a conversation at a larger strategic level, at the level of the, of the government, that it puts in place programs which foster a greater degree of commitment and investment by the university academic sector into commercial translation they often feel that they have a, a, a different mission. They, they have to do basic research and training. Commercialization is often an afterthought. So I think there is a need for government to take the lead here and put in more explicit funded programs to foster translation, commercialization. So Alan, uh, there's a beautiful screen behind you um, and it looks like a brain. Uh, the extent of my knowledge tells me uh, probably only that. Why don't you tell us what we're looking at? Well, that's uh, an image of the so-called big brain. And the big brain is uh, an example of uh, big data science in that it, it combines two different aspects of brain research. On the one hand, you have uh, what we call brain imaging, neuroimaging, which provides us with a three-dimensional picture of the brain, but at relatively poor spatial resolution about a millimeter in each of the three dimensions. This data set is the equivalent of uh, 125,000 MRI volumes. And we collected this uh, in partnership with our colleagues in Germany at the Ulish uh, Research Center. And we did all the computational analytic work to stitch together uh, over 7,000 two-dimensional histology slices through the brain and build it up into a three-dimensional data set. And that was uh, a labor of, lo of love. That was years of work involved in doing that by people uh, in my lab. And uh, that allowed us to build up this three-dimensional data set. We placed it in the open domain. And we put it out there uh, for anybody in the world to get at, to use. And uh, the last time we looked, it had been downloaded by 25,000 different scientists over, over the years. So it has become a, a global standard for looking into the very fine detail of the brain anatomy at 20 microns, at uh, hitherto in, uh, unmatched spatial resolution. What are you most excited in terms of areas of research and science uh, coming out of Canada's universities right now? Canada in general and and Montreal in particular are, are considered one of the leading 
centers in the world for artificial intelligence. Uh, my colleague Yashio Bengio at the University of Montreal um, is one of the leaders in that field. My excitement about AI is how it interacts with, with uh, neuroscience. If you combine artificial intelligence, you combine that with uh, information about genetics, brain imaging, behavioral testing, psychological instruments, you can look into the workings of the human brain in a manner that has just not been possible before. We can look at the mechanisms of brain development, normal aging and cognition, brain disorders. We can look at the what we call connectomics, the connectivity of the, of the brain in all of these various settings. Um, I am extremely excited about, about what we are going to learn over the next few decades. I, I think we are moving at, uh, at a lightning speed at this point in collecting data. And we're now at the, at the point where we can synthesize all that information and, and get new insights into how the brain works in a way that was just not possible even a decade ago. The interface between neuroscience and, and artificial intelligence is, is that interface science that I was talking about before. You have experts in both areas, and to a considerable degree in the past, they were operating independently. We are now beginning to put these two communities together with very exciting results. And uh, I, I'm involved in, in an in international project with our German colleagues that specifically is focused on the development of uh, neuroscience and AI, uh, brain-inspired computing, artificial intelligence is, is one of the components of that work. So I, I think at this point, uh, I can't see any area that's more exciting in terms of what it can reveal to us about the machinery and the working of the human brain in all of those various application settings that I mentioned. Who would you choose to pitch? Anyone from the government, your academic peers, or perhaps the youth uh, in Canada uh, to help strengthen and improve, let's say, Canadian excellence in research. So who would you pitch? And what would you say in 30 seconds to achieve that? Well, I think uh, to affect the kinds of changes that I think are needed, you have to go to the top. So you would have to speak to the, uh, the prime minister. But alongside the Prime Minister, you should be speaking to the Minister for Trade and Economic Development. And I would, I would say this, that Canada is uniquely placed in the world. We're large enough to have an impact on the, on the global stage, but we're small enough to be organizable. We have a highly skilled and highly respected uh, scientific community in Canada. We're certainly hitting above our, our weight as, as a country of uh, research scientists. And I think we can use our national knowledge infrastructure to foster research and, and become a place where global researchers go. Uh, you're familiar with uh, CERN in Switzerland or the, uh, the uh, snow or triumph, the uh, high uh, energy physics environments in, in Canada. Make it free to do big data analytics on Canadian IT infrastructures. Make Canada a global hub for big data science. Go all in on computational research in all of science, not just neuroscience. And remember that it is about people, not hardware. It's about algorithm development, not toys. I think if Canada invests in, 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 a, in a major way in, in computational hiring, faculty, training, uh, infrastructure, 
that will have the, the greatest payoff for Canada in the, in the future. Any final thoughts? I would say that uh, I wish I was starting out. It is so exciting to see all of this coming together. Something that I, I, I dreamed about uh, 20, 30 years ago uh, is, is now a reality. This interview and the Celebrating Canadian Research Excellence series are presented by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Killam Trust and produced by thefutureeconomy.ca.